You're listening to Parenting Through the Detour, Episode 51. Is my child identifying as LGBTQ a phase? A discussion with Heather Frazier. Howard W. Hunter said your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to him. Well, how are your detours going? Does it feel like everything's gone wrong and you don't know what to do now? I'm Tina Gosney, a life and relationship coach for LDS parents with adult children, and I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm going to help you find your footing again through those detours and disappointments. And when you find your strength and your courage to navigate your own detours, you're going to begin helping your family through theirs as well. welcome you back to Parenting Through the Detour. And if this is your first episode that you're listening to, then I'm just going to welcome you to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Now, did you attend my masterclass last week? I taught a masterclass called Three Strategies to Begin Repairing Your Relationship with Your Young Adult Child. Now, there were so many of you that attended, and I got some great feedback on how much you loved it and how much you learned from it and how you're already starting to use the tools that I taught you there. Now, I was really kind of sad. I only had a few minutes at the very end for Q&A, and I wanted to answer more questions, but I just ran out of time. So next time, I will be sure that I leave more time for questions, because I know that you guys have a lot. And I'll be offering this class again twice in June, June 16th and June 30th. So if you didn't get registered in time for the one in May, no worries, you can attend in June. So go ahead and check the link in the show notes and you can go ahead and get registered for the June 16th or the June 30th class. And if you can't attend live, it's not a problem. There will be a replay sent out so you can still get the information. Okay, so last week I told you it was the 50th episode last week. I was so excited. That's a milestone. They're the 50th episode of Parenting Through the Detour, and I really want to celebrate. I want to celebrate that with you by giving you a $100 Amazon gift card. But I just need you to do one thing for me before you get entered into the drawing to win the gift card. I want you to go on to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. This is how you do it, because I know it can get kind of tricky sometimes trying to figure out how to leave a review. So go to Apple Podcasts. Search Parenting Through the Detour, and on the show page, the main page for the show, not an episode page, but the main show page, scroll down to the bottom where it says Ratings and Reviews. There's a section down there called Ratings and Reviews, and then you'll click on Write a Review. So just submit your review right there, and then once you do that, I need you to email me a copy of your review to tina at tinagosney.com before June 7th, 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Because on June 8th of 2022, I will be doing a drawing to see who is the winner of this of this $100 Amazon gift card. So make sure you're getting your five-star review in before June 7th, 2022, 11.59 Pacific time. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you today. June is Pride Month, and I saved this episode for this month especially. I have a very special place in my heart for LGBTQ people. 
I have a son who's gay, and he has my heart. He always has, and he always will. And now his husband owns a part of my heart as well. And I'm so privileged to have these amazing young men in my life and to see them grow through the challenges that they face and to see them celebrate the successes in their life. I am so fortunate to share the planet with them because they are amazing. Now, if you have a child who has told you that they are LGBTQ, or maybe you're living with a lot of fear that you might someday have one of your children come out to you, this episode is for you. Heather Frazier and I have this discussion today. She's a good friend of mine. She's a fellow life coach. We both have coached parents who are struggling with their child coming out as LGBTQ. And you know what's a really common thing for parents to think when that happens? is for them to think that this is not really my kid. Like They're just bending to peer pressure. They're, this is not who they are. Or this is just a phase. I need to help them see that this isn't real. So whether or not either of those thoughts ever end up being true, it really doesn't matter nearly as much as what you do when they tell you that they are LGBTQ. That is the more important thing to think about because that will set the course for your relationship with that child going forward. And if you're like me and you did not respond very positively at the beginning, you can start to fix things now. You can start to turn things around now. Please don't judge yourself. Please don't beat yourself up. Please be kind to yourself and to your child and listen to this episode. And I'll give you five things to think about if this has happened for you. So listen in with this conversation I had with Heather Frazier, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, here we are together, Miss Tina. Hi, Heather. How's it going? Great. And we've been talking about recording this episode for a while because some of the people that we coach overlap. And so we've been talking about when parents come to us and say, well, isn't my child telling me that they're gay a trend? Or isn't it, isn't it like, aren't they just being influenced by peer pressure or is it just a phase? So we've been talking about wanting to do this podcast together. Yes. And for my listeners of Pivot Parenting, this is a special treat because I don't know if you guys know this, Tina's episode is consistently number two in my feed of all times, second only to the great Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Thank you for the pivot parenting listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We talked about plot twists. Yes. About a year ago. Yeah. And Heather hasn't been on mine on my podcast yet on the parenting through the detour podcast. So I'm going to, Heather, I'm going to have you introduce yourself so people can get to know you. Yes. Thank you. I coach parents of teens and young adults. Sometimes they come to me as early as having an 11 year old or 20 something year old. And I hear it all from, they just don't want to do their homework to they're institutionalized right now. And I totally get it. I have a 21 year old, an 18 year old, 14 and almost 12. 
So I've run the gamut of how to launch them and what it feels like when they say the things that feel like a sucker punch. Oh yeah. Those are fun days. Aren't they? <laughs> They're so fun, <laughs> but we all get those shocking statements, even from our good, obedient, happy child, we can still have shocking moments. And so I love helping parents navigate all the ups and downs of their beautiful children. I love how you said beautiful children. Yes, they all are. No matter where they are, they're all beautiful. Yeah. Facts. And for my listeners of Pivot Parenting, Tina, if they haven't heard the number two ranking episode of all time, will you please introduce yourself? Yes, I will. I am Tina Gosney and I work with LDS parents that have a child, usually 18 and older, young adults are older, and their children are making choices that are taking them away from the church, away from the family, away from their relationship with their parents. They're really struggling in those relationships with their kids. You know, I thought that when my kids became young adults, that life was going to get easier, like when they weren't teens anymore. Yeah. And it was a rude awakening that I had when life got harder. I think it got harder. And so now I try to warn people. I'm like, hey, you that teen that you think is so hard, just wait till they become young adults. And then you're going to see. It just, <laughs> you think it's going to be easier. It just kind of switches to a different kind of hard. It does. I think especially in the LDS culture, we are socialized to believe that if we get it right, meaning we check off all the boxes, that our child will for sure make good choices and love us and want to continue to check those boxes, but that is not always the case. Well, I think really that there's been a culture of perpetuating that idea. Yeah. You hear it over the pulpit all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's subtle. We just had a recent word conference and one of the speakers was talking about how they just sat their kid down and had the conversation and made sure that the expectations were there. And then the child changed and everybody was happy. And I just wanted to jump up and scream. (laughs) (laughs) And that's wonderful for them. And I'm super happy. And by all means, if that's how you feel is a good way to parent in those situations then speak up and share your opinions But that doesn't mean that they are going to say, oh, I didn't think about it like that. You're right. And then change course. There's no promise there. That's what we think is going to happen. That's what we want to have happen. But that's not usually what happens. Yeah. But the stories when it does happen are the ones that are widely shared. And so then when it doesn't happen for some parents, we blame ourselves. We didn't do it right. We're not as good of a parent or our child. like is having a hard time and they need to change. Mm -hmm. They need to comply. And let me speak a little louder. Let me do a little (laughs) more and control you a little bit more and speak louder. So you get the message this time. Because what teenager doesn't love that. So this all started friends when Tina and I were chatting And we kept having the same stories to tell. I had a couple coming to me at the time and their then I think 15 or 16 year old daughter decided that she was bi and 
was having relationships of all variety mm-hmm. and the mom particularly was really struggling and she was so sold on the idea that it was not her child speaking and i've heard this consistently through my other this isn't my child you didn't yeah. you should have seen them when they were little this was not them uh-huh and they are so hung up on the idea that this just isn't their child, that they're being influenced, that it's a phase that they just want to fit in. And so they're experimenting in ways that if society were different, would not even cross their mind. Yeah. Have you, are you familiar with the book by Richard Osler, Listen, Learn and Love? No, but I love his social media content. Papa Osler. Yes. Papa Osler. Yeah. He's written this book. And if anyone does like is having those thoughts, I would suggest picking up that book. Um, He goes through a lot of the myths surrounding LGBTQ. And that's actually one of them. It's like, is this is just a face. And he talks about that and, and how it's, that's not usually the case. Yeah. It's a similar myth in the sense that people are really scared to talk about suicide and depression. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because if I ask my child, if they're suicidal or have ever thought anything along self-harm that then that plants the idea in their head and then they may become more prone to suicide or um, self-harm ideation, which the opposite is true. The more that you talk about it and educate our kids about it, then the more power that they have. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I've seen some statistics, uh, statistics, uh, word it's <laughs> me sometimes, um, statistics about kids leaving the church. Um, and, and these might, these are a little bit outdated. I think this is from last year, about, about a year ago. Um, and it was 55% of kids are leaving this church, the LDS church before they reach the age of 18. I would, I would bet that that is increasing all the time. And then BYU did an anonymous survey. I think this was from 2019. Mm. They did it, you know, of students anonymously so that they would feel free to share honestly their answers and found that almost 20% of BYU students consider themselves to be somewhere on that LGBTQ spectrum. And so this is a reality that is happening to families who never thought it like, that's never going to be us. We're never going to have to deal with that. Maybe they've been looking at somebody else dealing with it and feeling like, man, they dodged a bullet, but now it's in their house. So they're feeling, you know, wounded in a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's important to be educated. It's important to know what to do. Even if it's not your child, then your child has someone that they know because one in oh, five, true. one in five youth now are finding themselves in this situation. And we need to be better prepared as parents on how to help them, how to help their child. In fact, there's when a child does come out as LGBTQ. It's not just that child who's affected. The whole family then becomes 
an LGBTQ family. It's true. And that child has friends that love them. And if you are a parent that doesn't keep an open mind about LGBTQ people, and if you go to church and there's not an open-mindedness there, that child is going to feel, even the child that has a friend that identifies that way, is going to feel unheard. And yeah. Like they're not in a safe place around the adults that are in their lives. Yeah. Our role of importance shifts in adolescence. So children, the most important people in their life is their family. But in Western culture, that shifts during adolescence to the most important people in their lives are peers. Mm-hmm. And so if adults whom are not as important to them are not supportive of their friends, that's who they're loyal to mm-hmm. are those friendships. And they will and draw closer to those. Yes. That feel loving. They want it. This, this generation is about love and acceptance and they want to draw so. closer to those and they will further tell themselves, Oh, my parents don't just, under, they just don't understand me. Yeah. The irony is that, that is Christianity at its core. Christ is unconditional love right. and it, he accepts all of us. It doesn't mean that we get to, you know, go lie and cheat and steal and do whatever and not have repercussions of that. But he is always accepting of where we are at. He just wants us to build on that. Yeah. He meets us where we are. Yep. And then asks us to be better every day, just a little bit better every day. Yeah. Knowing that we're for sure going to mess up. Oh, for sure. And get it wrong. And that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. But to support and love as best we can, knowing that we're going to get it wrong and that's okay. We can forgive ourselves and try better the next day. But the thing that comes to my mind when I'm coaching clients that are hung up on this place of this isn't my child. They're being influenced in a way that I dislike in coaching, Tina, you know, this, Mm -hmm. that we zoom in and out constantly to like the minute details. And then we zoom out to the overarching picture. And this belief that this isn't our child is one of a bajillion forms that you can say, I don't like my reality. I reject it. And anytime we're in that space, that's a problem. Yes. What we do is spin our wheels. (laughs) Yes. We run ourselves ragged in the little hamster wheel of denial and Mm -hmm. we waste a lot of energy and time and we get nowhere. Right. And we can do a lot of damage to that relationship with that child. If we're insisting this is not you, this is not who you are. And, and, and acting from that thought, even if we're trying to portray, portray a different oh, yeah. persona on the outside, but we're still <laughs> living from that it. one, it's, they can detect it. Oh, they, they for sure bad. can. Yeah. They for sure can. And another interesting tidbit about adolescents is that their amygdala, the emotional response is super keyed up. And so they are going to take offense at things that even aren't offensive. So you have to even spin things in a more favorable, kind, accepting light, like go up 20%. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. just so that they don't misinterpret because their emotions are so keyed up for a fight that you really have to dial it up even a few more clicks and be prepared for them to still get offended sometimes. Yeah. And you just, and to apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry. That wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. Please explain more to me. I really do want to understand. Yeah. And then there's like a 50, 50, they'll be like, whatever. And walk out of the room or they might sit down with you. We just don't know. Right. But we can just love them. Depends on the child. It depends on the relationship that you have with them. Yeah. So many, how hungry they are. Yeah. <laughs> so many variables. Yeah. But yeah, that whole hung up on this isn't my child. I'm ex- I am rejecting the reality of the situation that this is what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. It really is a paralytic in that you cannot move past that point until you make peace with this is what they're telling me. Even if it is just a trend and they do just want to look cool still just like, Oh, tell me more about that. What's your experience? Yeah. And let me just question a little bit of what you just said, Yeah, because still being in the, in that LGBT, LGBTQ rainbow Mm -hmm. is not a, it's not the cool thing to do. (laughs) Sure. It's a, it's still considered to be like on the fringes, you're still marginalized. If yes. like, why would you choose to be there when that alone is isolating you from people? In fact, I was talking with one of my clients and she was asking me, she serves in the young women in her ward. Mm-hmm. And she said that they were having some issues with one of the girls coming out as by and telling them about some things that she had done. And then the other girls gossiping about her. And she said, I just want to know how I can talk to them about those people. And how do we explain the things that these people do? And she used a lot of language. And I said, okay, so first of all, let's just take the word of those people and them <laughs> out of your vocabulary. Yes. That is we and us. Those people are we. Those people are us. And if you're looking at other people like as them, what happens when that becomes you? It's true. Then you're on the outskirts and you are all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, you are becoming the othered person. Yeah. Even in your own mind, you become that marginalized person. And I said, and second of all, because let's just like watch our language. (laughs) Let's use not them and those of those people, but let's use we and us. And this is part of us. And I said, and then let's just think about how hard this child's life is going to be. Let's just think about sitting in church and hearing about, you know, that you need to have and be married in the temple and have an eternal marriage and family and knowing that that is not going to happen for you. And what a difficult situation that would be. Or knowing that you're not even allowed to pursue having a lifetime partner without having to choose between activity in the church and being able to find your person in your life. Like that's a super difficult place to sit as an adult. It's a difficult place to sit. Imagine being a teenager and having to sit. 
I think that's why a lot of parents go for the easy kill, which is rejection. That's not my child. Yeah. Because it's easier up front to not have to do that process that you just described. Because then if it's not actually their child and they're just doing it for these silly adolescent reasons in their head, right? That's what the parent is thinking. Then they don't have to consider what the future looks like. They need to get, just get their kid to snap out of it. Yeah. And that, that does more harm than good when oftentimes when we go for the easy upfront answer rather than the harder answer up front, but that on the back end, it can give us a lot of relief and peace, but we have to do the work up front. Yeah. Which reminds me of a quote that we both heard at a meeting we were at lately. It was (laughs) when you do easy things, life gets hard. When you do hard things, life gets easy. Yeah. And I think this is so indicative in coaching because the things that just come um, like naturally as when you're a parent and you have a lot of fear for your child, the things that come naturally to you are very, can be really harmful to that relationship. And they're actually the opposite things of what you should be doing. Yeah. But it's when you get rid of the fear, which is a hard thing to do. And you live from a place of not being afraid and opening up which is a harder thing to do than just clamping down and thinking, I know better because I'm a parent, then things get easier on the other side. Yeah. And that can look like at first, I heard you say, let go of the fear or not have the fear. And immediately I was like, but what if you want the fear? What if you are scared? And I think sometimes it's important to take baby steps. We can, we're really multifaceted humans. And we can have more than one emotion at a time. And sometimes fear can be there along with that desire to be vulnerable and open. Mm -hmm. And we can act out of that emotion while the fear still may be present. I don't know what this child's future looks like. I don't know what this means about me and our family. I'm not sure I need to sort it out. And the stronger emotion that I want to behave from and pay attention to mm-hmm. is a desire to love. Yes. In reality, we don't know what any of our children's futures look like. That is facts. That is a fact. We just think, <laughs> we just think that they're going to follow this path that we created for them when they were really young, maybe when they were born and assume that that's what they're going to follow. And many parents are now finding Our children are not choosing that path. Well, and even if they do, that is not a guarantee. Let's say you have a child that checks off all the boxes. They are high school valedictorian and they Mm -hmm. do all the accomplishments in high school. And then they go to college and get an amazing degree and find a beautiful spouse. And they have healthy kids guess what? Tragedy still strikes to those families too. Not that I'm not saying the LGBTQ spectrum is tragedy, but it's a curveball for sure. It's a curveball, and it gives us the, they all give us the opportunity to experience human emotion, the vulnerability, the the stretching of one's mind and heart Mm -hmm. that can be a cancer diagnosis. 
It can be a car accident where half the family is gone. It can be um, somebody leaving the church. It can be a divorce. It can be a natural disaster. It can even be blessings like twins that can be stretching. (laughs) Right. But I think curveball is probably a better word for it. Just something that we didn't expect or something that we did expect. And it was harder than we expected or came different than we expected. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever talked about on your podcast that I do have a son that's gay. And he came out to us when he was 20 and less than two years later, he was married to a man. So we got like, let's just drink from the fire hose and (laughs) everything all at one time. (laughs) And, um, I went through and my husband went through a lot of different phases in that. I think it actually was like 20, 20 months, 21 months from the time that he was told that we found out until he was married. Um, but we went through a lot of that fear, denial, um, uh, just a lot of like trying to figure this out and a lot of grief at the same time yeah. that this was our reality. And it was something that we had never expected ourselves to be in and a place that we felt like we got thrown in without an option, without a choice. Um, but I will tell you now, and, and there's still things that we're working out, right? I think that our entire lives are a process of working things out. This is just one of the things that we are, that we are learning how to do better all the time. But I would say now that I think that that was one of the biggest blessings of my life was to have this son in my house, in my home and in my family and his husband, we love dearly and are so glad that he's a part of our family. Um, and it's, I don't know that I would have be, I would be in the place that I am right now if I didn't have that opportunity to, and the privilege of being his mother. Yeah. I think these unexpected blessings in whatever form they come in, in our lives, they are an invitation to either be a blessing or a curse. Mm-hmm. Right. And we get to decide what that is. I have a similar, I don't know what the word is story, but yeah, my daughter leaving and the growth that that expanded for me, for her not affiliating with the religion, super painful. And also super connecting for the two of us because I allowed space for that. Yeah. Yeah. We get to experience lots of pain as parents. (laughs) But I think that the pendulum can swing both ways in the amount of pain that we can have when we can work through it and refine ourselves and become better. On the other side of that, I think we get the equal measure of joy and fullness. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. I look at this plan that Heavenly Father has on the earth for us to be parents. And, you know, I was 23 when I had my first child. Same. I was so immature. (laughs) So I'm prepared. But I think, man, if I was supposed to be perfect at this, then there was no way that 
Heavenly Father would have allowed me to become a parent at 23. Yep. And I've made so many mistakes, but I know that the mistakes that I make, there's, there's compensation made by him on the other side for those. And it's for my growth. I feel like there's been so much more growth for me through being a parent than there could have been any other way. Because think about like these little babies that come to your home and you get to just take care of them and love them so dearly and just feel such overwhelming love and connection with them. Yeah. And then to have them do things that you just, that break your heart. Yeah. And how we have that experience to kind of have a similar, just a little glimpse into what heavenly father deals with us. Yeah. On a micro level. Mm-hmm. I have a client who has a trans child and she also had a very similar, this isn't my child. Mm-hmm. They're just being influenced. And she made such amazing progress. One of her biggest hangups besides this isn't my child though, was I don't want to be the mom with the big flag in the yard. And that is always posting on Facebook and getting into fights about, you know, defending her child online. And I think that it's easy when parents, and you can speak to this better than I can, but when parents are handed a situation where their child discloses something, maybe that they suspected or not. And they look around to how other parents are handling the situation and advocating and loving and supporting. And of course the most visual are the most loud extroverted parents out there. Mm -hmm. This client was an introvert and she did not want to have these conversations because she didn't like conversations generally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's really easy to say, well, then I'm failing my child because I don't like look like this parent over here, even though she was super loving and supportive and making sure that all the needs were met and supporting them through the transition. And what are your thoughts on that? I think that is indicative of what we do in general as parents all the time. I think we're always questioning ourselves. Like, am I doing the right thing for my kid? And we're looking around, comparing ourselves to other people thinking that if I don't look like that person over there, then I must be doing it wrong. And I think there's a lot of value in looking inward and saying what feels like the most loving to me and the most authentic and genuine to me and to this relationship that I have with this child. And if that is not flying a pride flag, if that is not like posting things online, if that is just keeping it in your home, then that's okay. Yeah. That's loving to you and to your child. You don't have to be like the other people that you see. You don't have to compare yourself to them. Yeah. That's where we eventually landed. And it's interesting because this habit surfaced in a lot of other areas, the comparison and looking around and it's, we are such creatures of habit. Mm. And how we do one thing is how we do just about everything else. That's true. We're going to find these (laughs) things carry over into different parts of our life. Yeah. Well, I, I jotted down sit or five things that I wanted to talk about when your child tells you that they're LGBTQ 
TQ or you, they tell you, they tell you that they're questioning Mm -hmm. and just five things to remember and maybe to check yourself. I love it. And the first one is to create safety for your child. What does that look like in real time? Like if I said, mom, I think I might be by. What does creating safety respond as? Safety looks like being open and listening and being curious and asking questions and reassuring that child that no matter what they do, they're going to be stay a member of your family and you're always going to love them. Yeah. And that you've got their back Mm -hmm. and that you're going to give them space to figure it out. And if you, they need your help, then you're always there to help them. Yeah. And if this has already happened and that was not your response, it's it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It was not my response. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And to go back and to say, I'm sorry, I've not been managing this in a way that was providing safety for you as my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I belong to several um, Facebook groups of parents that have LGBT kids. And there's a local one that I belong to. There's there's a Mama Dragons like a general page and then there's local chapters. And so I belong to my local chapter and I think I've been a member for, it's been over a year now, but I know several times in the last year, someone has posted something like, Hey, there's a kid that just got kicked out of their house. Can anyone take them in? Yeah. They just told their parents that they're gay or a lesbian and they got kicked out of their home. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. That we would kick a member of our family out of our home for telling us something that's happening for them. Yeah. Our kids know that they're safe. Yeah. Already just being on the spectrum, they correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding. They are more at risk for harmful behavior. Oh, exponentially more at risk. So if they even have our babies, yeah. If they even have one adult, that believes them and that is there and loving and supportive of them, that risk goes down also exponentially. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. What's number two to stay curious, to stay like, ask questions like, okay, so why are you thinking that this is a reality for you? Or why are you thinking that you're feeling this way or just being open and curious about what's happening for your child? And you're probably going to have some fear. Yeah. It's some of that might be coming from fear, but they don't need to see your fear. That's something that you can deal with on your own. You don't need to share with them and show them, but to be open and curious. And I think this goes along with the safety because it, mm-hmm. by you being open and being curious, it really allows them the safety to then explore. Is this true yeah. for me? is this something that's going to be part of my future? Is this a phase? Am I, am I just, you know, do I have a friend? And so I'm questioning or like where, where, you know, I'm exploring this for myself. So stay curious. And curiosity is something we usually use so often in our coaching. So this is not a surprise. This is on my list. No, we are good question askers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
What do you mean by that? Define that for me. Uh What does that mean to you? Yeah. All the variety of questions. It doesn't, sometimes our kids might feel like we're being a little bit aggressive if we're like, well, why, why, what does that look like? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. But we can, we can ask broader questions that are maybe that's really interesting. Will you tell me more? Yeah. Asking and then they get to volunteer questions. what kind of information, yes. you know, will you tell me more about that? I'm super curious. Yeah. Yeah. And make sure they're open-ended as much as possible. Open-ended questions. I think a lot of parents too, well, humans actually, we don't like silence. And so we'll speak to fill the gap, but if we can actually sit in the silence after we've said, tell me more about that. I want to understand. And then we just wait and let them fill the void because sometimes if it's something that they've never articulated to anybody, I know for me, when I'm sharing something really vulnerable to someone close to me, it can take me a few minutes to cough the words up. Yeah, sometimes (laughs) just to wait stick in your throat and you can't yeah. get out. Like, I've only ever thought it like three times and it's really scary. Can I say it? Can I say it? Ah, maybe. And by actually <laughs> saying it, it puts it out into the world and makes it real. And sometimes that's a scary thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So stay curious and open. And that ties directly into the safety that your child will feel with you. So super important. And the next one is just to be, have patience. And lots of times we just want things to work themselves out really quickly. And we want people to figure things out really quickly. And it doesn't usually happen that way. Yeah. When we push for resolution, we want resolution because then our brain is like, okay, check that off the list, done, and move on to the next. But sometimes the resolution that we get when we push it, is them clamming up and not talking to us or something that we wouldn't necessarily want as much as the discomfort of it unfolding in its own time. Yes. I talked to a woman just a few months ago who was in her forties and told me that she just discovered that she was pansexual. And I was like, how, how did you just figure that out? You're in your forties. And she said, it's just been a process of me figuring this out over time and paying attention to different things about myself in different relationships. And I'm like, that is fascinating. So it took her 40 something years to figure it out. But I think that we want things to work themselves out quickly because we are so like, if you're in this space with your child, if you're thinking that it's just a phase for them, you want them to get through it quickly. And you're so full of fear and worry for them. You can't imagine having to hold on to that for a day longer than you have to. And so that for them to just figure it out and just in our minds, they're going to figure it out that this is just a phase, right? (laughs) I don't have to be worried and be afraid anymore. Dodge that one. No, not necessarily. We got to just, yeah, let our kids figure it out. Yeah. And along with that, trust that they're going to figure it out. That's number four is to trust them. Yeah. And like you said, that 40 year old, these things can be fluid. Everything in our life is fluid. What we really are, the convictions that we have as a child versus young adult versus midlife versus 
elderly, those convictions mm-hmm. can change. Absolutely. And who we are as a person can change. And so I don't really think anything in our human experience is so set in stone. We're all, everything's kind of fluid. I think so. And I think back to when I was like in my twenties or teens, how little I knew about myself. Now I'm decades past that. And I feel like I'm still learning about myself all the time. Yeah. Like the more life experience that I have and the more I pay attention to who I am and the things that I like and the things that I want and the things that I don't want, the more I learn about myself. Yeah. And those are probably different than they were as an adolescent. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. But having patience and trusting your child while you give them safety and stay really open and curious, those that can have a huge impact on their ability to figure it out or their, even their, their willingness to stay open for themselves and, yeah. like, and to question, like, maybe I need to just stay open and question, like, is this something that really is true for me? Maybe I will change as I get older. Maybe this isn't, or maybe it is. And just giving them the space to figure it out. I couldn't agree more. I think that when you approach the situation with fear as your driver, that's really scary because fear just wants to shut it down and stomp it out. Mm -hmm. And just know, let's conform, let's conform. I don't know what this means about me as a parent or you as my child and what kind of life this puts in your future. And so we are fear-based and we, we, if this sounds super scary, what Tina is describing to you, then you are most likely approaching it from fear, which if you're one of my listeners, I often talk about the environment that we create for our child. While we cannot dictate how they use their agency we can create environments that invite certain behaviors that we would like, Mm -hmm. right? As a parent, we can do that with our child. We can create certain environments that if we're providing safety and curiosity, that invites them to share with us. doesn't mean that they will, but it's an invitation that's much more appealing than not. (laughs) (laughs) And Creating that environment can feel scary when we are fearing their outcome. But when we attach to them having a certain outcome, yes, thank you for articulating that better. But when we can set just unconditional love and knowing that we're going to support our child throughout their path of life regardless of what that looks like, then this process can feel really warm and inviting. So that's a big tell to know kind of if you find yourself in this situation or any other situation where your child, maybe they aren't disclosing this, but maybe like my son just decided he's not going to college Mm -hmm. and that's a curveball. Yeah. He's super smart. Like he could do it just fine. He got lots of scholarships, but he doesn't like the academic setting for how he learns. And so when I approach that or anything else that our child tells us, right, plug in whatever you're struggling with, 
wrapping your head around. But when we can approach it with the unconditional love, I'm going to support my kid. Everything's fine. Like this is how life shakes out. We, every day is a new surprise that we get to unwrap and who knows what's going to be inside. And when we can come to it, that can feel very comforting. The process that you've just outlined, but when we're super scared for our child's future or for how it reflects on us, then that feels very scary. Yeah. And let me just speak a little bit about fear in parenting, because Mm -hmm. when we get afraid as parents, what we do is we revert back to a very basic way that we were parented. And if you're like most people of our generation, you were parented in a very command and control style. Yeah. Do what you're told. That was the predominant parenting style when our generation was growing up is command and control. And so you start getting very demanding. You start thinking I'm right. You start trying to control. You do. I'm the parent. Yep. Yeah. I know what's best. And what happens when you do that is we have such an inner, as a people, as humans, we have such an inner desire to control our own destiny and to make our own choices that when we get um, confronted with that type of parenting, it can actually have the opposite effect of what you want it to have happen. So yeah, it's very common for that child withdraw or to go do what you don't want them to do just because you told them to do something different. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then lie straight to your face about it yeah. <laughs> or not. We just don't know or taunt you with it or right? all the things. But then it becomes, I'm doing this in their mind. Even if they don't realize that that's what they're doing. Well, then it's a power struggle. I'm doing this because you told me not to do it. Yeah. Then it becomes a power struggle. Yeah. And you don't want to just release the power struggle. If you release it and you release for their choice to, to be anything according to your plan, Mm -hmm. then it allows them to own that choice. Absolutely. Then they can go inward, more inward and say, okay, what do I want for my life? What feels true and authentic to who I want to be? It allows them to not have to be reacting to your parenting and it allows them to be more authentic in their own lives. Yeah. Okay. So we have safety, curious, patience, trust. The last one is my favorite one to talk about. Oh, talk about it all the time. And that's having love because when, and all the things I think that we've been talking about today play into the way that we try to get our kids to control something. They try to, we try to make their behavior mean something about us. In fact, when I had um, my, when I had Jennifer Finlayson Fife on my podcast, she, and we talked about parenting and she said something, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly how she said it. So I'm sure she said it more eloquent, eloquently than I can, but she said something like, we use them to prove, we use them to prove our own sufficiency. Yeah. And that is not love. That is controlling behavior. And when we, the sooner we can untangle our sufficiency as a parent from what that child is doing or the choices that they're making or the life that they choose to live, the more like love that begins to look like. And the sooner we can have peace and love in our own lives. 
Yeah. And if we are attempting to create safety and curiosity and all of those things without mm-hmm. love, it's harder. Hollow. It's just as harder. Hollow. Yeah. It's less effective. And yeah, our kids aren't going to respond as much. And the love is the best antidote for when we get it wrong. Cause we will. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to do things wrong, but if a child yeah. knows that you love them, yeah, and they see trying, you trying. they yeah. forgive, they're, they they're forgiving. Yeah. We forgive people and we give people a break that we know truly love us. Yep. But I have found that most parents don't actually know what unconditional love looks like because they don't have a good enough sense of who they are without having that child to prove their own sufficiency. Yeah. So yeah. The sooner we can untangle that and Heather and I can help you do that. We absolutely That's can. We do. Most of the time with my clients, we kind of put out the fires initially, and then it oftentimes boils down to the mother's own view of herself. Yes. And that's where the work is. Yeah. Because when she can love and accept herself, that's the hardest thing. Then loving any and everybody else, piece of cake. So many things work themselves out. When we get good with who we are, we love ourselves we can give ourselves our, the things that we need and we don't look to other people outside of us to provide that for us. Yeah. yeah. That's when problems start to make, they just make sense. Like the solutions to problems start to make sense. Yeah. You don't have to search for them so hard because they come naturally to you. And those you are have the less powerhouse problems. parents. Yeah. yeah. That just and, can take all those curveballs and run with it and just love and show up and but you are right. There's at first, when you work with somebody, there's a lot of, okay, let's put out some fires. Let's feel some feelings. Let's deal with these emotions that are taking over and running the show. Yeah. And, and then, then we look for the root and, oh, there it uh, is. There it is. <laughs> I'm a terrible mother <laughs> and an awful human. But yes. Okay. Tina, what do you have to offer my listeners? As we wrap up, if your child is telling you that they're LGBTQ, remember safety, curiosity, patience, trust, and love. And it's okay if you don't get it right the first time. Yeah. Who does hold hold love as the number one thing Yep, and let the other ones come as you hold that feeling of love, that emotion of love steady for your child. Yeah. And for yourself too. have patience in all these things for yourself as well. You are not the only, your child is not the only one going through something. You are going through many of the same stages that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it's just as shocking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Heather, what do you have to offer my listeners today? Oh goodness teenagers and us parents, we are all just doing our best and just to apply a lot of grace with that love Mm, that we're going to get it wrong. And that actually is part of the learning process. We don't need to beat ourselves up about it. And if you find, if this has really resonated, please don't feel bad. Just know that you're not alone. Reach out to Tina and I, we got you. Yeah. (laughs) And um, just hang on. It's not the end of the world, promise. 
Yeah, don't add judgment of finding yourself in this podcast on top of what you're already feeling. Yeah. It's going to keep you even more stuck where you are. Find out. Just reach out and get some help. Yeah. We have straight love for our clients. So yes, (laughs) it's possible. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Heather. I'm going to put a link to how to contact you in the show notes. But Same. is there anything else that you would like to share Let's with your listeners? Put the book about that you referenced in the notes too. Oh yeah, I will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Richard Austin. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, Heather. Bye. Bye. This episode has definitely been an important one to share. It's one of the longer episodes in the Parenting Through the Detour podcast, but the discussion that Heather and I had was a really important one. You right now might become the parent of an LGBTQ child, even if you don't realize it right now, that might be you someday. And if it's not your child, it might be a grandchild. There are many more kids coming out than ever before. So remember the five things that I shared with you and just try to hold those in your heart as you look at these kids who are struggling, who just need a lot of love in their lives. Don't forget to go leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. June 7th, 1159 Pacific Time is the deadline. And email me a copy of your review. If you don't email me a copy, you will not be entered into the drawing. Thank you for being here with me today through this extra long episode. And I want you to remember that your detours and disappointments do not define you. And they do not define your family. Have a great day and I'll see you next week.